We've been doing two a week, you know, for um, for like over a year now. Brandon yeah. Barrera, good to see you. Good to see Ice you. Coffee Black. Yeah, dude. Right downstairs from your uh You look pretty spot. tan. I am. I've been caddying. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, still, like the, the that's beat. still like in full effect since the summer. Or is it slowing down a little bit now that it's getting colder? It's slowing down for sure. Uh, now that it's getting colder, it'll be done by the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Okay, I I got to make it out there at some point for like nine holes. Do you guys get like we have caddy days like that? We have caddy days Monday night Mondays Mondays, Mondays? yeah Mondays. Okay, so can you I play? make it out there? Yeah. All right. I haven't yeah. played in a while. I mean, I'm not that great, but I'm a I'm a good athlete. Yeah. But I hit the range and that felt really good. Well, like if you want to play if you want to play Pat Samaha also wants to play. I would be happy to take you guys out. Let's get it going. Out. Yeah. All right, cool. We're going to get clips. this on the we're going to get this on the calendar. I saw Patty Clips the other night yeah. while doing hand on the street. He's doing great. Yeah. He's killing it. Yeah. He's shooting. doing great. He's shooting everyone. Now. Everybody. Everybody uses Patty Clips. Yeah, dude. He's become one of like the top content creators and or content producers yeah the, content producers so you guys yeah. are still doing love caddies you and tj how that's been how's that been going yeah uh we're still doing it uh we just got back back on the saddle uh last week uh patty took us out to some actually a golf course and we kind of i saw sat. that i saw that yeah he was like let's try something different podcast out but outside yeah. situation. yeah yeah um but it was it was interesting because it was like we've never done it anywhere but the studio and it was nice yeah, i was skeptical same. but then when we got there it was like oh this is nice you have to like improvise off people that are just like walking by and stuff. And do you guys like do it on the like the tee off in the tee box or where did you guys right by the tee box? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a beautiful course. It's a public course, but they have like these park like public benches that are like off to the side. Oh, nice. Yeah. So definitely, uh, it was the perfect day too because there was nobody playing. Nice. Dude. So I feel like if the course was like a little backed up, people would have been pissed off. All right. So before Thanksgiving, we got to get a Monday. I would yeah, love to come out. Definitely. And do you guys always play eighteen holes or you do the nine? Like during caddy days? Uh, I, I mean, I'll be honest. We don't really get a lot of caddy days just because there's always a bunch of outings. Like big time companies pay $100,000 minimum just to rent out the course for Jesus. the Monday. So most days I'm just working Mondays. But now uh, we had our last outing this past Monday. So I'll have every Monday until the last Sunday before Thanksgiving. All right, cool, dude. So we'll figure it out. You have yeah. been bouncing around so much, I feel like, since the last time you came on the podcast with TJ and Patty Salmaha, um, yeah. the last Love Caddies episode we had. You went to Europe for, what was it, two months? Two months. And you went running with the Bulls, running bro. So let's bulls. talk about a little bit about that. And then <laughs> also you were headlining in Greece, too, which yeah. is like insanely random, too, but dope. Um, okay. Yeah. So I mean, just coordinating that whole trip. Yeah. My, so I, I have a very close knit group of like 18 best friends from back home. And this is from where? Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It it ranges from friends from like preschool all the way through college. And we all stick together like through thick and thin. Like we've lost a few friends along the way, uh, that have passed away. Um, so I think like that's brought us closer, but starting when we were uh, juniors in college, we started doing trips uh, the first trip we ever went on uh, was St. Patty's Day in Dublin. <laughs> and uh, and that was like six of us. And when we got to Dublin, we were like, we realized we got there a little like early. We got there like four days before St. Patty's Day. So we're like, what are we going to do in Dublin for four days? I don't know if you've ever been to Ireland. No. There's not really a lot to do in Dublin. Like you can go around, like take tours. Like we did Cliffs of Moher, um, which was great. But it's like, what are you going to do? So we, we were like, oh, we're in Europe. Once you get over to Europe, it's cheap. So like we were train rides, not even train rides, plane rides, like to just go to any other country, any neighboring country. Yeah, uh, it's, close. it's like 30 bucks, like nothing. So we were like, oh, let's go. Let's pick a place. Let's go to another country. We'll break up the trip and make it two countries out of one trip. 
and uh, we chose Amsterdam. And so we went to Amsterdam. That was a shit show. Um, I don't know if you've been to Amsterdam, but it's Disneyland for adults. It's a great place. Beautiful, uh, beautiful city. Um, came back, did Dublin, St. Patty's Day. It was great. We get back to the U.S. And uh, Suzu Land, we did that, you know, we're having like that conversation like, oh, when's the next trip? <laughs> you know, like, when, what is it? And so that week, uh, my best friend, Nick, that I, I was living with at the time in college, we were sitting in our living room, just like this, just like watching TV. We were on our computers, like doing homework and stuff. And, and uh, we were talking about like, okay, if we were going to do another trip, where would it be? And then uh, he was like, you know, because he's been everywhere. He's been to Egypt, like any place you could name. He's been to all 50 states. Like he's one of those guys, always been traveling. And uh, he was like, we should go to Greece. I've been to Greece before. It's crazy. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, Mykonos is a lot of fun. And I was like, all right, like let's look up like flights. And so we looked up the flights, 750 bucks. I don't know if you know Mykonos. That's not bad. Prices, well, that's well, nothing. When was it though? That was 2017. So I'm getting, I'm going to get to the running of the bulls. But right, there's but, like a lot but, of, and it was, it was summer. You were going 2017? Yeah, it was like, summer 2017. Like are the flights cheaper in, during uh, the summer to Greece? Or no, I guess to Mykonos is probably summer's more expensive, but the weather in Greece I've heard during the summer is excruciatingly hot. It's beautiful. Right? Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. Um, not too hot, but like maybe Mykonos, Mykonos is just, I don't know, it's a paradise. Yeah. It, that's what it is. So my buddy was like, I just want to let you know, it never is this cheap. And I was like, all right, like, should we book it this week? Mind you, we just got back from Dublin like a couple days prior. So, and you were, you were seniors or juniors in we were college? Juniors. We were juniors in college. And this is in Florida? Where'd you this go to college? In, I went to Florida State. So we were like, all right, let's figure it out. So we called our parents, like you do. And I called my mom and I was like, listen, I'll pay you back as soon as I can. At the time I was working in marijuana. I was a legal medical marijuana grower. So that was my day job. And so I was making good money. And so I was like, mom, I can pay back in like two weeks. And she was like, all right. So she gave me the money. He and I booked it. The rule is if one person books it, everybody's got a book. <laughs> it just, you guys have a big group chat, like all 18 people. 18 of us. Yeah. That's great. And so once one person books it, it's like a snowball effect. So we were like, we knew he and I knew we were like, if we book this right now, everybody's going to want to go. And so he and I booked it right then and there. And then from that, that was, that was, uh, St. Patty's Day is March. So that was March. We booked it. The, the flight didn't leave till August. And we had been accumulating friends to go on the trip all the way through July. And we ended up going to Greece with 11 of our best friends. We went to Mykonos first. We stayed at a hostel. It was called Paraga Beach Resort. No longer exists. It was more like a, it was like a campsite with like these metal uh, bins, which were like where you stayed and, uh, it was a shithole, but it was like a, it, but like you're on like the most beautiful water. Like, I think it's the Mediterranean. I'm not really sure, but yeah, I don't know. You're just like on the beach and you're just hanging out. It's beautiful. So it was great. We stayed there and then, uh, we were like, Oh, let's go check out. There's so many Greek islands and everybody's like telling you, you got to go to Santorini. You got to go to, uh, Pathos. Do you want to rent a car there? Uh, no ATVs. Rent ATVs as soon as you get on the island. Um, and that's like kind of your mode of transportation. Uh -huh. um, or like you get taxis. You know, you don't want to be driving a lot because like you're just getting wasted the entire time. Um, but we went to, we ended up like 
breaking up that trip by uh, we all got to check out another island. So we have this joke basically like if your island or like your city has like a good like YouTube video with a nice EDM song behind it, we'll book it and go. The like, yes theory goes there. You yeah. guys are all in. Yeah. You just put it into the group chat. Exactly. So we we looked up, <laughs> we, we found this Greek island called Eos, which is a small, tiny island that only uh, holds 2,000 people. We stayed there for one night. Like, let's go have the time of our life for one night. And uh, parted our asses off, got back on a ferry, went back to Mykonos, stayed in Mykonos for about a week. And then that's when we got an Airbnb to hold like all 11 of us. Um and then copped a flight back to London, uh, stayed there for 24 hours, met up with my cousin, then came back um, to school. And then, uh, yeah, that was the that was the beginning of our senior. By the time we got back, we were seniors. So we were like, oh, let's enjoy our senior year. So most of the time we just spent at school or traveling on the weekends to like domestic cities like New Orleans. We did a lot. Uh, we did Mardi Gras. Like, we did Mardi Gras, but we also did New Orleans like four other times prior to that. Um, we would travel to like, other schools like go to game days like clemson we did clemson um we did atlanta uh and then you know we graduated but you know because we're all so close we were always like let's we got to go on another trip i graduate graduate college um we ended up uh we waited a year 2019 comes around we're like let's go somewhere so we planned a big trip we were like let's go to oktoberfest in germany let's do paris budapest prague Amsterdam Jesus and Dublin and my, some of my friends wanted to go to Dublin again so I was like I'm down and so that's what we did this is dope it was great and we had a good time and while we were over there we were like okay well we know we're the next we know we got to plan another trip so we we're like, like let's figure it out my best friend Juan uh he was like I've always wanted to go running with the bulls and then all of us were like oh yeah like totally totally down I've been wanting to do that since high school like it was just one of those things that you'd just look up YouTube videos on and be like, I want to do this someday, you know? And I knew friends in college that did it while they studied abroad. So I was like, it's so doable. Um, pandemic happens. Uh, over the pandemic, I drove cross country from, Ca I was living in California at the time, drove cross country back to South Florida because Florida was wide open. They didn't give a shit about COVID. And uh, I was at my friend's house and we were all like, we were all there hanging out, playing beer pong, drinking, catching up. Me and Juan and my buddy Dax sat at a table and we planned out the next trip. And we were like, all right, we got to go back to Greece. That's number one. We've always been chasing Greece. We were like, paradise. Like, let's go back to Greece. Um, and then we were like, why don't we try and do Ibiza with Mykonos? Because they say Mykonos and Ibiza go hand in hand. And we were like, oh, let's compare. Let's see what Ibiza is all about. So we threw that in there. We we're like, all right, we'll go to Ibiza. And then... uh my buddy Juan was like, how cool would it be if we ran with the Bulls first, then went to Ibiza, and then Greece? So how far ahead of time was his plan? That was, was like planned. A year and a half or that was years? like, yeah, it was 2020. Because Juan died. Juan ended up dying. He died in December, December 14, 2020. So we had planned that the su that summer. So summer of 2020. So like August of 2020. Wait, bro, your boy died? Yeah, brain aneurysm. Yeah. But, I mean... You know, what are you going to do? I know. Life moves on. Yeah, but was that, I mean, was that like pre-diagnosed? Like, no. Was that out of nowhere? At the gym. Just at the gym. Drop dead. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I mean, we had another another one of us, uh, another one of our friends passed away. He died in December. Our other friend passed away August of 2021 of the same thing, brain aneurysm in the shower. So, uh, 
Is this like from steroids or something? No, two totally different looking kids. One of them was big, jacked, you know, like kind of fat. Uh, the other one was like a pencil. We think, and I don't want anybody to fucking come at me for this, but the only thing that they had in common was they were uh, very avid vapors. They loved vaping. Always had a jewel or like some kind of vape in their mouth. That was it. But wouldn't, I mean, like the autopsy, excuse me, the. Yeah, no one really, I don't know. We never really got details. So in that respect, we've gotten stronger as like a friend group. Like that's kind of like the bittersweet part is like we feel that like, you know, everybody back home, like anybody that knows our friend group knows that we're like the guys that are the clowns. We're always, you know, doing the craziest stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't really know how else to explain it other than like, you know, everybody just knows us as like the friend group that just no one would expect uh, any of us. Like, you know, we all think we're invincible. You know what I mean? And everybody looks at our group and goes, well, those kids are just fucking bananas, you know? And then so when, you know, when two of them go, it's like people are like, fuck, like never expected it. You know what I mean? Like, um, so we've, you know, we've, you know, had to kind of like just learn how to like be strong together. And that's been the coolest part is like, you know, after Juan's funeral, um, you know, we would all just like check in on each other um, make jokes, you know, like just be there for one another, you know, but you know, life moves on and we were like, well, we got to plan the next trip and whatever we do has to be for Juan. And so we were like, let's do the trip he wanted to do. Let's run with the bulls and then go to Ibiza and then, uh, and then go to, uh, <laughs> go to Greece. Now everybody said, cause now everybody works. Everybody's like, all right, we could do 10 days. So Greece is out of the picture. And Why? I was like, because everybody wants to be in places for like a substantial amount of time. We're used to when we book this, it would actually like a normal person going on a trip with us would get very aggravated with us because the way we book is like two days in each place. You know what I mean? Like we did like Prague, Budapest, Amsterdam in like five days. You know what I mean? Like we're very like ADD about that. Like we're just like, all right, where's the next spot? You know yeah. what I mean? And we're taking the most inconvenient flights. I mean, I remember flying out of Prague at like 5 a.m. After being <laughs> a layover. Yeah, and like running from the club to the airport. Like, you know, from the club to the hostel to the airport. You know what I mean? And just like being a zombie, you know, going over to Paris. Like, it's just, it doesn't work really well. We make it work, but like, it's not, it's not like ideal in the moment, you know. You look back on it, you're like, I can't believe we did that. But like in the moment, you're like, dude, this this is tough because you're also you're also boozing every day for like. Yeah, and it also looks a lot better on paper. Like I've done that before on a flight to Miami, like going yeah. straight from the club to the airport. Yeah, wasted from the night before, or like it's, it's insane. And you just feel like you're not even with your body yeah, anymore. You no, just no. feel like a like a shell, you know. Um, so yeah, so you know, Juan dies, uh, and we were like, all right. Well, we got to go on another trip. So we were like, let's do the trip you wanted to do. Everybody works so they could only get a certain amount of time off. So everybody mm-hmm. was like, all right, we'll do, we'll do Spain. We'll do Ibiza. We'll do running with the Bulls and Barcelona. And, uh, and so we, we planned it. We were like, how cool would it be to go right from the run to Ibiza? So what we did was we were like, all right, let's do that. So we stayed in Pamplona for two days, uh, 
ran on the second day, and then later that day, <laughs> flew to Ibiza, and as soon as we got off the plane, we dropped $10,000 at uh, Ushuaia, uh, this, like, big nightclub. It's, like, top 30 in the world. <laughs> and and uh, we and we dropped ten grand to go see Calvin Harris. So we all, like, got off the plane, dropped all of our shit off at the hostel. I had to go shopping at H&M before... Uh, Get the club out Before it. we got to the club, because I was, like... Uh, I did I did the shopping in Pamplona before we left. I was like, at the airport, I was like, I got to get clothes. I don't have club clothes. Mm. And everybody was like, yeah, you need to wear a college shirt if we're going to be in VIP. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I show up in like these sheen, you know what I mean? Like the sheen type of clothes, you know what I mean? You know about sheen. It's like fucking $3. Like fashion Nova type, or it's cheaper than Fashion Nova, It's right? cheap. It's like it doesn't last. Okay. Like it's not meant to last. It's meant to, it's meant to last you for the night. Like, you look good, but it, you can't wear it more than, like, five times, uh-huh. you know? And so uh, we get to, like, to evaporate. We get there. Ibiza was crazy. Spent, like, four days there. Um, really not much to say about the place other than it's beautiful and uh, it's huge. Um, and there's just, yeah, if you like clubbing. Um, there's, like, a there's a club across the street from Ushuaia. Uh, Ushuaia is an outdoor club. It's a day club. Uh, <laughs> across the street is uh, High Ibiza, which is the number one club in the world. Um, and that club is crazy. And I, it started to like make sense why clubs are like ranked. Cause like all clubs to me are pretty much the same thing. But then you get into a place like that and you're like, Oh, it's the lights. It's the ambiance. You go to the bathroom. The bathroom is like another club. We, you ever been to a place like that? So, you- dude, I used to be a club promoter when I was like oh, okay. 19, 20 and 21 during the summers, like in New York city, That's six crazy. nights a week. My dad, one summer, like this was between freshman and uh, sophomore year in college. He was like, you got to get a job. You're not just going to sit around ordering seamless. And I was on the tennis team at the time. Yeah. So I played tennis for like an hour and a half. And then the rest of the, the day, I wasn't doing anything. So I like my dad was pressing me to get a job. I had been like going out he, like uh, almost every single night with my friends. And then a manager at a club was like, why don't you just come here, bring your friends and like, we'll let you drink free. And then like this happened at other clubs. I started bringing girls and I would get paid for like every girl that I brought any bottle that was uh bought from like a client that i brought to the club so like the new york club scene i was i was like king of it dude for like five (laughs) years like some even before i was like able to drink it was pretty crazy dude yeah you probably denied me and my friends on some nights potentially if you had too many rows dude dude. you didn't have any chicks yeah i bet you guys had like 15 deep so i'm not surprised you know what honestly like spending 10k for that many dudes is not bad at all no especially in ibiza we were like oh this is that's why i was like kind of surprised yeah it was great and we got what were were you saying no but it we came to New York one year when we were, uh, I, I think it was my freshman year of college. No, I saw from your college. Uh, we came to New York to go watch the ball drop in New Year's Eve. My uncle used to live on 15th and 7th. And so he would leave us his apartment and oh, dope. he would go to the Hamptons. And so we would just stay there. And I remember, you know, we were 19 years old. So we were like, we got to go out. We would try PhD. Uh, we tried going to One Oak. Yes, dude, dude. this is literally like yeah. the two things I worked the most. Oh, dude, I remember showing Darby, up. Darby, Up and Down, Gilded Lily. Oh, oh my God, I remember, I remember going to One Oak and then them them looking at us and going, how many girls? And we go, girls. Uh, we got yeah, six. Aren't the girls we got, inside? We got, we got six guys just looking to have a and good time. Like, Sorry, man, it's 3,000 minimum. Literally. At least. And then, at least. And then we would go to that pizza place next door. 
the uh, next artichoke. Yeah. artichoke pizza. Bro. Is it artichoke? Yes. yes, dude. I remember I was literally, I was waiting for five seconds because I was waiting for somebody to come like out, like come into the club. Yeah. I saw Cole Hamels next to me right after the Phillies played the Yankees in the World Series. Right. I can't remember what year that was, uh-huh. but the security guard told Cole Hamels, who was like an MVP pitcher at the time. He's like, the bottle minimum was 500 bucks, bro. And meanwhile, he was about to let me, like 19-year-old me and like an eight. Because he, know, he knows you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all. That's, I mean, bro, that's politics with everything, it seems like. But it's, you look, now that, like, we're both in comedy, you look at the comedy world, it's not much different. Dude, that's what I was saying. It's like, it it's, feels the same. It's the it's, same it's thing. It's just politics. Yeah. If you, like, because I lived in L.A. for three years, and the L.A. social scene is like a, it's a, a scene is a scene. Whether it's comedy, whether it's music, everybody knows each other. You just got to be in the scene. That's it. If you want to dedicate, like, you want to dedicate time to being a good comic, like, you're going to get into the scene. You know what I mean? If you want to dedicate time to be, being a good socialite, you're going to get into the scene. You know what I mean? Like, you it's just have to. It's all about the hang. It's all about the hang. Yeah. Showing your face and being, like, a good talker. And being, being a good guy. And also, yeah. I think showing that you could, you can potentially be useful as a person. Of if course. People want to see other people who can do things and help themselves. Yeah, they want to, especially with the clubs, they want to see you be able to, like, bring out people. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, bring I mean, out, want, like, yeah, people who are going to spend money. People, people of influence. Yeah. People that are going to promote the place. You know. Exactly, bro. Did you see Danny Duncan when you were running with the Bulls? I saw he went. I saw one of his vlogs. Who's Danny Duncan? Dude, he from Florida. You don't know Danny Duncan? No. I don't know a lot of Florida comics. No, bro. He's a vlogger. I'm I don't, surprised you've never heard of Danny Duncan. I don't Duncan. really watch vloggers. You know who I like, though? Actually, a vlogger. I do like... Uh, Ted Jones. I do love Ted Jones. <laughs> <laughs> But no, there's this guy, Mr. Beast. Isaac. He's a vlogger. I've been watching some Mr. Beast videos. I don't Isn't know. It? I don't really like him. You know, but I, his I, videos he, are just bro. His videos are crack. They're interesting. If you notice, man, every three seconds it's a pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Like in the beginning, hey, what's up? We're here outside of Circle in a church yeah. in Kentucky, and they're competing for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Cue forward over them. Woo! It's just like every three seconds there's a pop. Yeah, but I feel like you would be good at, I would feel like you would be good at like doing his thing. Yeah, I think you had money to blow like that. Yeah, I just. Because uh, you're well, very like, if you, okay, we're here, we're here. Yeah, right now we're here. If you remember, like, or I don't know if you've seen like his early videos. I mean, it was just all kind of personality based, you know? Because when you don't have those cuts and making yeah. somebody seem so exciting, just from like the volume levels, the colors going across the screen, like, ev- like in in a ten second frame, there's at least three to five things that are going on in that 10 second frame. The edits really do make the videos that much better. And I don't know if you've also heard on, I think it was on, um, it was a uh, flagrant flagrant. He was talking about how he spends anywhere from 5,000 to $10,000 just on a thumbnail. Dude, that got a YouTube me, thumbnail. that got me like going crazy with like but the way thinking. that, but the way that he was describing it and why it made sense for him, he was saying it's the difference between 20 million views and a hundred million views, right. which he, is a crazy concept, you know? Cause like when I make my own thumbnails here, like for this podcast, for this specific one or for the vlog, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's like a really good thumbnail. How could I possibly spend $10,000 on it? But I think that when you're talking about Photoshop and you're talking about like the human eye and like bringing in, you, you need like so many different colors, so many different fonts or shadows, whatever it is. So it's just, yeah, it's a science. That's it's what he does is a, it's a true science for sure. dude. What and he's been doing. It's crazy. You know I mean? Uh, yeah, that, that whole world is just, you know, to be in it, like you're in it and you've been in it for a while. Like it's a good skill to have, you know? Um, 
Just like it, it's the same thing with like editing, like Adobe. Like people always ask me all the time, like who does your clips? I'm like, oh, I just do it that? myself. Yeah, um, you do. You do a great job. You and TJ. You. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, you know, as a as a as a person, you know, who wants to be in entertainment, I feel like you really don't you don't have time to not be able to do everything. You have to be able to play every hand. You gotta you gotta be able to edit your own clips. You gotta be able to also perform and entertain. Um, I feel like now more so than ever. You saw like Schultz really get huge over the pandemic, or maybe him more so than other comics. Mm-hmm. I'd say just in terms of using social media, using the comedy clips, using YouTube. Yeah. Um, you know, my feed, I don't know about yours, probably the same, but my for you page is like saturated with insane amounts of stand-up clips that yeah. like you wouldn't have really seen maybe like a year, 18 months ago, 24 months ago, things are changing. And I don't know how much we're going to see our specials continuously being put on the Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. And if we're going to start seeing the 30 minute specials on people's YouTube instead. Right. Um, I don't know. Just cause like, it's hard to digest an hour of something and not look at your phone. You know, like I find myself, even when I watch those eight episode Netflix shows, like I might have to rewind like five minutes on an episode cause I was just on TikTok. Yeah. You don't really minutes. care. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Or it's just hard to, hard to keep someone's attention. And that's why guys like Mr. Beast on YouTube do such a good job. They put up a 10 minute video, big cuts. It costs them, you know, 500,000 to a million dollars to make. Yeah. Maybe it takes them six weeks to make it. But those 10 minutes, people are not on TikTok for those 10 minutes. Because they know if they look at a post on TikTok, they, they got to rewind 20 seconds. Yeah, they missed. Yeah. Because there's so many there's so many jump there's cuts. So, yeah, there's so many jump cuts. So it's like you got to kind of find your lane in terms of like finding your own niche and please the people who are watching it. That's true. Yeah, it's so funny because so it's, it's like... balance. I don't know. I talked to some friends that are like blowing up on Instagram like with comedy and then, uh, you know, talking like, about... Like, dude, your, some of your reels do like insanely well. Like, you know, 10 Thanks, plus man. million views. Some of them, yeah. Uh, but it's also an annoying thing and I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, you'll get a 10 million view video and then the next time it'll be fucking 5,000. Nothing. And yeah, nothing. You're like, what? And I'm like, where did it all get, where did everybody yeah. go? I'm and like, like this is the same style joke. In fact, maybe it was from the same fucking show. Dude, I have a video right now that has not stopped popping off. Bro, oh my God. Freaking, uh, I went when I was in London. I was in London in July. Dude, I posted it in July. It has not stopped popping off since and I get what I literally me like yeah. the same thing. This thing uh-huh. when did I post is fucking April. Oh my god! Yeah, a million. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, no. Man. Has it? How's it been? Yeah, see, a million. But you're yeah. only at fifty six hundred followers. Doesn't Bullshit. that tick you off? Bullshit. A million likes. Dude. A million likes. That has thirteen million views. Dude, that should have. You should have twenty thousand followers just from that. It's tough to talk about the fucking algorithm because we're all like at the mercy of it. Yeah, you know, like one video can do 500,000 views on TikTok and then maybe it'll do 25,000 views on Instagram and then it'll do 10,000 on YouTube shorts. And you you never really know, which is the interesting part. That video, dude, got uh, taken down by TikTok. TikTok didn't like it. They took it down and gave me a strike. Wow, I've been and, got, and I've been, got thirteen million on Instagram. I've been I've been handed strikes on TikTok before. Yeah, dude, that's that also could be a reason why. So that's happened to me yeah. on YouTube yeah, Shorts. Yeah. So like, if you have been, I don't want to say naughty on the platform. Yeah, before like they don't forget. 
I, uh, yeah, I, I posted a video of, uh, I was in college. You're like, yeah, this is my old boss. No. Fuck you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite clip. <laughs> Dude, hey, it's up. It's Joe. He was a good. He was All a good, right. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, he was a good sport about that. Uh, yeah. He's a good guy. All right, pop it up. We're popping it up right here. Screen record. What's up, Joe? It's my old fucking boss. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just so funny. Like, yeah, you get a video like that and it like does so well. But that, yeah, that video actually got me a nice little push. You know, you're not getting an audience that every time that wants to hear material. They're there because like, oh, yeah, we followed you from, you know, Instagram. Well, I think and, also it has to it's, it says a lot to you just being your authentic self all sure. the time, you know, especially if like one clip blows up and that's not you at all. Right. Now you have to put your content towards doing that one particular thing like all the time. You right. Know, like that's something that you blow up for five seconds. People get super hot. Like that kid on TikTok. I like corn. Yeah. You see that fucking kid? He's a star. Yeah. He probably has an agent now. Yeah. Like, so (laughs) where do you go from there? Yeah. You sell merch and shit, but like, I guarantee that five-year-old doesn't want to do corn content the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of finding your niche and like, I think being comfortable putting out the same type of videos, like a guy like Mr. Beast, apparently he spent a million dollars on a video where he had people on his team go spend I don't know, try and spend like a thousand dollars in like five different countries. It was a video type like this, this type of idea. And they never ended up releasing the video because they can't think of a good thumb type thumbnail. Oh, because they know the video. They know what a bomb or bomb for him. You know, it was like 10 million views, but he won't put up the video that he spent a million dollars on because he's afraid that the thumbnail won't bring it justice. Interesting. Yeah. I tried making a thumbnail. I just, I just released a, uh, a YouTube video of like a, like a set, like part of a set uh, that I did in South Florida. The show at the I improv? Yeah, at the improv. Okay. And then, it, you know, I saw that video that you're referring to about the thumbnail, how he was talking to, on flagrant about thumbnails. And I was like trying, I was like trying to figure out how to make, thumbnails are not easy to no. make. Bro, it took me up until like three months ago. So it took me two and a half years to learn how to do it. I don't even know how to do it. Yeah. I, I can give you some pointers if you need help. Yeah, for sure. I'd love uh, some advice. Absolutely. Because uh, even like, because I was talking to Patty Clips, shout out Patty Clips. Shout out P Clips. Um, I was talking to him about it and I was like, well, how do you make a thumbnail? And he goes, dude, just use YouTube. Like YouTube gives you everything you need to know. But then he, he said YouTube. that to me too about one thing that I asked him and I was like, dude, it's not, it's hard to dude, navigate YouTube. YouTube for thumbnails, like, it's not really easy. all these tech things are just it's feel you know you can check it out on youtube it'll yeah. give you the idea but it's ultimately just about feel and doing it a, a million times and just finding out what works for you yeah dude. yeah i mean like adobe premiere i will say like i'm i'm very proficient in adobe premiere just because like i've been doing it i've been using it since high school i took a film class and that's so useful. Who would have thought that that was? Bro, I, that's like, it's insane that that was probably one of the more useful classes you probably ever took. Oh, I'll never forget it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget when we trans when we transitioned over from uh, Final Cut to Adobe Pro. My teacher, Mr. Frost, at the time was oh, like, "I use Final Cut Pro. What's the? I mean, I've heard Adobe is good, but like Final Cut, everybody kind of uses. Yeah, it's like the industry standard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, out. no, my my teacher said, "Oh yeah, I think the industry is moving uh, uh, in this direction," and he was like, "So I had the school install." Um, Adobe Premiere on all the computers so we all had to adjust oh, from Final Cut to Adobe and I've no I don't regret it at all I'm like oh my god because um, I remember I started making videos in like uh, college like I just liked making like um, little funny sketches I like taking film classes I love when film classes would like give you like a prompt and they're like you got to make like a film for your final for the end of the year with like some classmates and 
I would tell all my classmates like, Hey, I'll get the editing. Like, don't worry about it. I thought I was like cool in that regard. Cause like not a lot of people know how to edit, you know no, what I mean? dude. So, Like I remember in my, I was a journalism major and in my journalism class, like I was the kid in the group project that yeah. was like trying to avoid all of the technical work. Like I just wanted to be the on air talent. Right. And now I fucking realize, bro, eight years later, like you gotta, you gotta be able to do, to do all that shit. Thing is just like, dude, everybody's so busy. It's like, you know, even if like, even if you get somebody to do your clips for you or something, it's like, you might as well just learn how to do it because what are you going to do? Like what, it, what, like Patty's really busy now. That guy edits so many clips for people. It's like, you want to be in a queue of just like waiting. Because like, I hate being that guy texting somebody and being, hey, can I get this from you? Can I get this from you? Like, it's not you know on your I, time. It's not on your time. So it's like, just get it, learn how to do it. And then you can have it, you know, whenever you want it. You know what I mean? It's and just, when you're not relying on people, man, there's, there's, there's really really something to say about just being fully independent i don't know i've i think i've told you this like i live in a caddyshack house so i choose to never be home like i have eight roommates like the house is disgusting you know what i mean like it's just a it's free living i get free rent i was living in a kitchen for a whole year so i would use that as an excuse to just never go home and i would just always be out doing comedy till late um and i just use it as a place to sleep so by the time i get home from doing comedy all night or just hanging out, it's like one or two in the morning and I have work at six. So I get home, I go, I go right to bed, go to work from six to like one. And then I'll come home. I'll crash again for a few hours. And then I go back on the train. I'm back to the city. What's been the highlight since you've been to New York after moving from California? Um, definitely just the comedy. I mean, like just meeting the, meeting all my friends, all you guys, um, everybody's been so like welcoming and like inviting, uh, the shows have just been, awesome i mean like especially i don't know you've done comedy in la before like you've been out there to yeah i was out there uh, like uh two months ago like recently yeah and what'd you think it was great he's great it but it's great. not there's not a lot of it it's definitely not as much going on as new york yeah you know? and you know like one thing that's cool about new york is that like you meet people that are like doing really well like headliners and you could talk to those people anytime most of them like you can go to the stand and like and chat you, it up. Do you just mean like in LA people are kind of like, all right, they come do their spot at the store and then go home. Yeah. I think it's just like, uh, this unspoken thing that if like you're around somebody of like some kind of influence, you just don't say anything. Cause it comes off as like you're fangirling or something. Um, it seems like the opposite between all the comics in New York, man, you know, yeah. like it just, it looks like anyone will talk to anyone. Yeah, everybody's just hanging out. Everyone's always hanging. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're a comic? Oh, yeah, cool. Like, and it is crazy that, like, this is the kind of stuff that, like, we're chasing. You know what I mean? But. We're performers. We're performers. This is what it is. Um, but yeah, dude, I don't know. New York's been, uh, been awesome. It's a great experience, like, if you're trying to be a comedian. You know, I tell everybody that, like, this is, like, the place you should come to if, like, you're trying to do stand-up. Those are nice glasses. <laughs> do you like that? Um Highlight performing wise yeah. has probably been, uh, you know, I ran this show out of the comedy shop in Greenwich Village when I first got here. That was like the place that kind of gave me my first shot at like running a show. And uh, I remember like the first night that Adam Christopher and I ran this show, we sold it out like 52 people. And it was just awesome. It was just like, I had some friends from back home who were like just in town or like they live here now. And like, we just packed it out and it was just a great energy. We ran that show for probably from October last year to like when I was gone in July. So, and that was like the last time that it was being done. Cause I wasn't here for the last one, but that show was like, yeah, that was, that was great. It was just cool to like have a show here and just, 
That's because like, I was going to go back to L.A. after six months because I was like, oh, let me just try it out. See how what it kind goes. of stuff were you doing out there in L.A.? Just stand up, stand up in Groundlings. I was doing Groundlings as well. Um, you know about the Groundlings, right? The, what is uh, that like UCB type? Yeah, it's like improv sketch. Uh, you know, it's like the SNL. I, so I did. Around. Yeah, so I did improv. Uh, I mean, like improv was my main thing before I did stand up. Right. Did improv for like four and a half years. Yeah, I loved spoke improv. About that. I loved it. It's great. Um, yeah. So like, you know. I got that show, you know, we started really, you know, uh, gaining like some, some fans from it. People would come back all the time because this show had a good energy and the comics always had a good time and it was just great. And it, it was like the first time I like felt at home with comedy. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm not leaving. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, little things too, that just keep you going. Like you get a spot at the stand. Like I remember getting my first spot at the stand, like, uh, just doing like a main room spot that you know joe would throw me up on or then getting a fir- my first frantic like you know guest spot you know what i mean like so it's like little stuff like that that just keeps you going yeah you know like the I little mean? milestones how comfortable are you on stage right now are you putting together an hour well so i actually speaking of going back to the whole europe conversation uh i ended up going out to the fringe um, in edinburgh edinburgh and I did the whole 25 day run and i ran oh my, yeah talk about that bro. i ran my hour yeah okay so edinburgh fringe festival is like Apparently, top three largest ticketed event in the world behind the Olympics and the World Cup. That's crazy. Yeah. And so uh, it's an arts festival for theater, dance, uh, comedy, music, um, and street performance. Um, And it runs for 25 days out of the month of August. And uh, yeah, I ran my own show there every day for 25 days. And I did an hour of stand-up every day. Um, And that was crazy you know because you're just doing it by myself was pretty cool it was also eye-opening you know like holy shit like this is so tough just being on 25 days in a row 25 days in a row bro yeah it's crazy mentally exhausting yeah especially here's the thing the performing is the easiest part that's the easiest the hardest part is by day like day by day after the show day by day you're waking up you know Fucking going out, passing out flyers by yourself, paying people to flyer for you. You don't even know how many people are going to come to your show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there'd be nights where I didn't think I was going to sell any tickets. And then I'd be sitting in like the theater, just waiting for people to show up. And then two people would walk in and I'd have to just do my show. I did my hour for two people like seven times. It was great. It was cool. That's dope. dude. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things they tell you when you go over wow. there is like, they say, well, you're going to go back to New York and you're going to be a better comic. And I didn't know what that meant because like, I was like, my jokes are the same. My tags are the same. Well, yeah. Was I'm it like, a one man type show or was it just you doing a full hour set? It was me doing a full hour set. But here's the thing. I'm a, st- I'm a storytelling comic. Right. So I can kind of like morph into that one man type of show. Is that like elongating the stories? Elongated stories or just like, you know, having like a set list of like jokes with like punched up stories thrown in between like because i had like certain jokes that last like two minutes and i had jokes that last like 10 like stories <laughs> that last 10 minutes you know so it was like i mean my first night i went i went over it an hour and 10 minutes uh for two people my first night i did a i did one hour and 10 minutes for two people and that was the coolest thing because you know that's what i learned afterwards uh when i got back to new york it was like or even towards like the end of the festival really it was just like oh it's it's not about like getting better uh with what you're saying what you're saying is is pretty much who you are so like that to me is never gonna really change you know 
for right now. Like I'm obviously I'm going to evolve the older I get, the more life I live, but you change and you get better just as a performer. Like your whole essence on stage becomes, uh, it, cha it changes. Like you it, performing in front of performing an hour of standup in front of two people will make you become the most authentic person that you can be on stage. Cause you cannot, you can't trick them. Like you have to be as raw as you can. And I think for me, uh, when I'm the most authentic on stage, whether it's two people or like 400 people in a, in a room, um, that's when I'm doing my best. It's like when I feel like I'm being my most, uh, when I'm being myself the most. So in terms of going back to Florida, you just came, I mean, you just came back yeah. uh, recently. What is it looking like when you go back down? Like, are you going to be in Florida for like a couple months at a time? Or do you just go back down for like weekends and such? I go back down just to do that show or like just to see. Family. And where is it? Where then what, what show are you referring to? Uh, it's the Dania Beach Improv, which is like, it's basically Fort Lauderdale. It's right next to Fort Lauderdale Airport. Um, so is that in between the West Palm and Miami? Yes. Right smack in the middle. Exactly. Um, and yeah, basically what happened was, long story short, uh, Every time I go home to Florida, uh, up until last year, I would go home and I would never do comedy. So like I'd come home from LA or New York and I'd just go home and just hang out with friends, but I wouldn't do stand up because the stand up scene down there is like, it's getting bigger, but it's not really like a big scene and there's not really a lot to do. You know what I mean? Like that's why you moved in New York or LA is like you, you get to do all these spots all the time down there. It's like, you got to wait till like Tuesday next week. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not always there for you. Yeah. And New so York's every night, every hour. Exactly. So I'd go home and I wouldn't do any stand up. And I would, you know, it bothered me because like there are good clubs in there. You got the Miami Improv, you got the West Palm Beach Improv, Dania Beach just opened up. But, you know, to get into these spots, like improvs are notoriously, they're just headlining rooms. So once in a while they'll have like showcases, but like, you know, unless you know somebody, you're yeah, not going like, to get in. a lot of people for like a showcase. Exactly. So uh, I... I'm fortunate enough to have like a very close knit friend group, like I said at the beginning of the pod, and uh, you know it reaches beyond our friend group to the point where it's like friends of friends, family of friends of friends, to the point where like I can go down and I can sell out a 400 person room. Oh, yeah, and so I did that back in April. Well, let's flash back, uh, go back to 2021. I went down for the first time to ever do a show back at home. Um, and I sold out my buddy's backyard, 120 people. It was during the pandemic. And uh, I had gone down there. I, I had uh, featured for one of my buddies from LA who had some TV credits. He's, it was, he was like, let me just, I want to run my hour. You think you could sell out in Florida? I was like, yeah, probably. And uh, I had never done 30 minutes before. He was like, I'll let you open. I was like, perfect. And I went down there. I was nervous as could be. Because like I said, performing in front of two people is like, you know, in Edinburgh, it was like, you, you're forced to be authentic. But also performing in front of people that you've known your entire life, it also forces you to be authentic. Because I can't go up there and be like, uh, so I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was walking in traffic the other day. I'd be like, no, you weren't. You know what I mean? Like they call you out on your, on your bullshit, you know? Um, so, you know, I went, I went down there. We sold out my buddy's backyard, 120 people. And uh, it was amazing. It was like a, it was like a dream. Um, and I, I realized I was like, oh my God, like my friends are down for this. Like they're down to be a part of this journey. Like, so I'm going to come back and do it even bigger. Went back to L.A., and I met a, met up with a buddy who like does a lot of the improvs around the country. And he was like, next time you go home, try to do an improv 
and fill out that room because if you can fill up the room they'll let you into the club you know like it's how, how you build relationships with the club all they care about is if you could sell tickets totally. and so i was like oh all right so then dania beach opens up it's only been open for like a year and a half i think people want to see if they're coming to see me i think they deserve to see new material but are and you headlining doing headlining. a full hour and then half hour and then you have people what doing like 10 minutes in front ten, of you 10 minutes yeah host 10 minute sets and then uh, love that bro that's me, great yeah. yeah so i did the miami improv when i hosted hannah burner show when she went down there oh nice she, like, great room out basically yeah killed it yeah it's a crazy room yeah that's awesome did you have a good time yeah i nice. had a great time south florida deserves like some kind of scene people love entertainment down there thing is, is like they love entertainment but they're not like hungry for it yeah people kind of like it. people kind of like the clubbing the dinner and then the beach because there's no you want to know why and my my cousin and i had a conversation about this because i've always know, been curious well we're both from south florida right i mean it's just like we grew up in a place that nobody wants to leave we have it so good you can go out dressed up in shorts and flip-flops everywhere you go all year round 365 days out of the year life is good you know, life is... Oh, so you don't need to smile and laugh. You don't need to smile and laugh. <laughs> you don't need to get away from whatever you're going through because you're no matter what, the beach is 10 miles away from you. The sun's coming out the tomorrow The sun's morning. coming out tomorrow morning. Bro, like waking up in Jersey, and especially like during the winter when that brisk water hits you in the face when you walk out of the door, you could use some laughs. You're like, night. I got to go to the comedy cellar tonight. <laughs> yeah, about this. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Down there, we're like... One month out of the year, you try and get us with a hurricane, but even hurricanes don't even get us down. They're like, all right, hurricane's coming. Who's got the generator? Who's got the beer? We're have like, all right. Been, have you been um, to Chicago? Of course, yeah. I haven't been up to Chicago doing comedy. Right. Oh, never doing, com- never yeah. doing comedy. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can see why that place probably is the, I guess, third best market. New York, uh, LA, yeah. Chicago. I mean, dude, yeah, a lot of my friends that I've met uh, in New York that have moved from Chicago, they're so good at comedy. It's just a great scene. And they're also like, you know what they're good at? That a lot of like, New York or LA comics aren't really good at. They're very good at like um, getting themselves out there. A lot of those people come out already having representation or like having already done like a JFL audition. You know what I mean? Like they come out with like credits. You know what I mean? I, I well, think maybe like, that's because I don't know us New Yorkers. I feel like we kind of have so much more stage time opportunity that maybe we're not so focused on those other things. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think, uh, for them, if I had to guess, because it's such a middle market, there's a ceiling to how good you can get there. Um, and like, like how many spots you can do at the last act. How many? Week. Yeah, exactly. And like you can become the guy in a place like that. Like when you go to Chicago, you can be like, okay, like who's the guy here? And they'd be like, oh, that guy. That guy. You know what I mean? In New York, <laughs> there is no not that right guy. Now, not right now. Not ever. I don't think. I mean, there's four thousand comedians in the city. Like you could go up on stage and murder. And people be like, damn, he's good, right? But then another guy gets up after you and they're like, oh, I haven't seen this guy in forever. And they're like, oh, well, he usually hangs out, you know, you know, in Gowanus. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, where the fuck is Gowanus? Dude, and they're the like, craziest thing about New York comedy is you legitimately, as an, off, as an audience member, can go to Bushwick 9 p.m. on a Wednesday to a free show in a freaking basement, BYOB, and you can see some of the best comedy of your entire life. Of your entire life. And then... And all five comedy comics could have ripped. And you can go there again and again, and you may never see that lineup or like, person ever again. again. You probably ever won't, again. actually. Exactly. You likely won't. I'm looking forward to see, seeing how it progresses with maybe these live shows, hologram live shows. You know, you put Chappelle up on Radio City, he's in a hologram, and he's broadcasted across 75 arenas. Is that going to happen? I mean, bro, 
if the bag comes to like yeah. Dave Chappelle's feet and it's like, we'll give you $200 million for a one night performance. You're going to be broadcasted in 75 arenas through a hologram. That'd be crazy. That's really thinking in the future. But you remember Coachella when, yeah, when Tupac, did Tupac was bouncing around with Snoop Dogg. That was the coolest that thing ever. I can't wild. remember the last time I saw that. Yeah. Like advertised like that on TikTok or right. Instagram. I can't remember the last time I saw something like that. Right. But if you think about just like the future and yeah. being able to be in multiple places at once, I mean, I don't see why something like that couldn't happen. Or just like people putting on their headsets, you and I putting on our headsets, sitting in here in the living room, and boom, we're at the comedy cellar. Well, that's already front row. That's already happening well, with I mean, like NBA not, games. Well, headset-wise? VR, yeah. You could put on a VR yeah, headset. Have you done you, it? No, no. Um, I don't, I'm not a big VR guy. Neither am I, but like I can see myself, like once it gets more comfortable in my head, I can see myself using it. Yeah, eventually. It, it just feels like a big thing sitting on your face. Not in a good way. It's just, you know... <laughs> It's just, I don't know. It's one of those things like I'm like going out of my way to go get, but I'm not like like, charging that shit. Yeah. I don't go out of my way for like, unless I really want something. I'm like, I'll just, I know eventually down the road, like this will have some kind of meaning in my life. But right now I'm just like, I don't need a fucking headset. I don't need a headset. With the hoverboard. I'm like, I don't know. Like when that came out, everybody was like, I get your hoverboard yet. I'm like, no, I get a hoverboard. You know what I mean? (laughs) The flamethrower. I don't fucking need one of those things. Once it it becomes like a part of everyday life and it's cheaper and people are using it, it's easier to use it. We'll see, man. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, until then, no. Um, but yeah, dude, I don't know. It's been good to be back. Europe was fun. Um, headlining Greece. That was crazy. Any uh, trips to go on another uh, Euro trip? Yeah, we're talking about uh, Berlin and Cappadocia, Cappadocia, Turkey. They have a music festival called Echoes, <laughs> Echoes of Agartha. And uh, like I said, you po- you throw an EDM song over like a sick YouTube video and you got You're our going. attention. Um, but yeah, that's if you guys want to check out Echoes of Agartha. That's something we're looking into right now. Also, two of our friends didn't get to run in the running with the bulls. Oh, they got to go back. So we and they, <laughs> bro, didn't you vlog it? I vlogged it. Yeah, I didn't watch it, but I I need to. It's not like that good. Like it's just like a. I mean, you're not allowed to film. You're not allowed to film. So I was just kind of like getting like little snippets like where I could, and then for the run, I wanted to enjoy it. And also, if you if they if they see you with so much as like a phone, they'll impale you with the horn themselves. They throw you out. They <laughs> oh, throw you God. out of the run. You never even you've never been called an idiot so many times in your life. So many people that you see on the street, they're like, "You're running," and you're like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Pendejo." <laughs> they're just hilarious. like, "Yeah, yeah." Because even though like three people die, three people still die, dude. Yeah, like how many people runs? Uh, it's got to be in the thousands. It's got to be in the thousands. The streets are jam packed. Gets to the point where like the bulls aren't even like your main concern. It's just the other people. people. I remember when you came on the podcast last time, you were talking about running next to somebody who's like a stranger. So if yeah, the bull comes to yeah, I did tell you that. Yeah. Push it in. Well, dude. So what's crazy is so uh, we get there. Uh, you, you're partying all night the night before, and then then it's three a.m. and then you got to be up at five a.m. to get on a bus to get to the town by six, where the run takes place. And then the run doesn't happen until eight. So you get from six to eight, you get to walk around Were the you track. Just drinking the whole time? Uh, you don't, you can't be drunk for the run. So, and you can't be drinking, obviously. So <laughs> they throw you out. So, but obviously, you know, we had stopped drinking at like three in the morning. Yeah. So, I mean, from three to five, you can't say you're sober. My body just feels like I'm just like, all right, you know, like we're up for the day type thing, you know? 
And, uh, oh man, I mean, this is like a side story, but we were staying in a 30 person mixed dorm with like a bunch of Australians. And we came back at three in the morning and they were all trying to get like a nice sleep before the run. And for some reason, like anytime I'm staying in a mixed dorm of like a bunch of people, I just, my friends and I, we do this thing where we get back and we just, we try to be as obnoxious as possible and just wake people up. Because we're hammered and, you know, everybody's telling us to shut up, you know? Shut up! And then that makes us laugh even harder or whatever. So <laughs> five o'clock comes, we're all waking up and everybody in the room wants to kill us. Like, we can just feel the tension in the air. And, uh, but yeah, so <laughs> we end up getting to the run. You know, we get to the track and uh, you get to walk. You get to walk around, uh, you know, and see where you, you get to pick where you want to start. It's a half mile run. You get to pick at any point during the run, like where you want to start at. And so uh, we ended up meeting this guy who was like just hanging out next because like you can just hang out in like the middle of the street until the guns go off. And uh, this guy was just hanging out. We were talking to him. We're like, I've never done this before. And he was like, yeah, I've been doing it for like the last like five years. And we were like, oh, shit. Like, why? And he was like, oh, well, I like the adrenaline rush. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I like the adrenaline rush. And uh, yeah, each year I just try to get closer and closer to the bulls. And uh, we were like, holy shit. And we were like, okay, uh, where do you recommend starting? And we, he was like, oh, it's your first time. And we were like, yeah. And also, it was the first run of like, they run for like seven days every morning at like eight in the morning on the dot. For like five minutes? It's like it, it. The run lasts about like five minutes, yeah, and then you get into a coliseum, and they they uh, uh, wrangle all the big bulls, and they release six smaller bulls with capped horns, and then everybody in the ring, like who, all the runners, get to like mess with those bulls. Like the thing is, is like everybody says you got to slap the baby bull's ass for like good luck, which I didn't buy into. I was like, okay, I already tested my luck running once. I'm not going to try and slap this bull's ass. Because the thing is still bucking people. You know what I mean? Like, you could still get hurt. You just won't get impaled yeah. by his horns. Um, so I was like, once you get into the Coliseum, you have like the, op- the option of, like, moving out to the side or, like, staying in the ring and, like, testing this bull's patience. We were asking this guy. We were like, where do you think we should start? And he was like, okay, for your first time, best place you're going to be, uh, that you're going to want to be, is right after uh, Dead Man's Corner. And we are like, what's that? He was like, okay, so the way the run is outlined is uh, it's a straight shot uphill first and then a slight left turn and then a beeline towards this wall and then it's a sharp right. And at the sharp right, all the bulls and some people slam into the wall. Yeah. So the point where they have to wax the bulls' hooves so, like, they don't slam that hard. And so, uh, but it ends up being, like, they crush people. And he was like, what's going to happen is you want to start right after that corner. Right. Because you catch the bulls. You get bulls. a head start, too. You get a head start, and you catch the bulls at, like, their, at, at, their as little momentum. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Continuous momentum. And so, uh, yeah, he was like, okay, so what's going to happen is you're going to hear uh, 8 o'clock, there's going to be one gun that goes off. And then he's like, at that point, that means just get in your position. So find your position. He goes, split up. Make sure you tie a slip knot. We are like, what's a slip knot? He taught us how... Basically, uh, Slipknot is like you tie your scarf in like a way that if somebody pulls it, it just rips right off. It unties itself. Instead of like if you tied like a regular like knot, like your shoes or something, if somebody pulled it, they could pull you down with them. So he's like, you want to try to avoid like being an object to like get, you know what I mean? Like to, for people Grab to like, use. Yeah. And so he taught us how to do that and then uh he was like the second shot that you're gonna uh hear that means the bulls are loose uh what's gonna happen is you're gonna have at least like five seconds 
hold your position for like five seconds after the first shot after this after the second shot so the first shot just get in your position then you have a minute until the next shot next shot goes off you have about five seconds because the bulls are fast he's like you're gonna have five seconds till you see them round that corner you're gonna feel the ground start to shake when you see them round the corner don't make a move like you can start like getting a light jog in you know when you see the crowd of people start to disperse towards you get to the nearest wall and just stand on the side and watch the bulls run but then he's like after you, the bulls run past you, you have to start booking it because there will be another third gunshot that goes off about like halfway between where you are and the Coliseum. And the third gunshot that goes off is another six bulls behind you. And you don't. He's like, you don't want to catch them twice. Dude, does anyone have to sign a release no. before this? That's the thing. And is this because it's in like a public forum? Yeah, it's just like in the in the wild town. bulls. It's just in the town. Yeah, um, it's just been a tradition, I guess, for like thousands of years. Wild. Yeah, and then you get in the Coliseum and they wrangle the big bulls and then they release two-year-old baby bulls with capped horns and then uh, you watch people just get bucked while a commentator is just commentating on it in front of thousands of people who just, all of them want to see you get hurt. And do people live on that street that the bulls run yeah. down? Dude, people are like wow. tailgating. People are throwing sangria off of the balcony. Like, people it's the like craziest thing. <laughs> After that, balcony. dude, when, when that first gunshot went off, I started running. And my buddy was like, dude, where are you going? And I slipped. And I was like, dude, we got to go. And he goes, it was just the first gunshot. I go, oh, yeah, my God. You're out, dude, yeah, because yeah, from, from 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock, like, you're not really thinking about it. Like, you're kind of just, like, sitting around, like, waiting, waiting, waiting. You're kind of just talking shit. Everybody's, like, hanging out, you know. And then all of a sudden, there's all a gun. All of a sudden, the, oh, tense, yeah. the intensity rises. Yeah. And, you know. You're like, holy shit, we're actually doing this. You're looking around at other people you don't know. And everybody's like, oh my God. You know what I mean? And then that second gunshot goes off. And then the whole crowd, like whole town is just like, ah, you know what I mean? And then sangria, you're getting covered in sangria. And, you know, people are like looking over like these metal barricades that guard, like uh, that are like blocking like doorways and stuff. And to like shops or like uh, bodegas. Mm-hmm. And they're all just like looking at you, like commentating on you. They're like, you morons like you know run fast run hard you know yeah and uh yeah the energy is electric would i do it again no but uh yeah it's it's you know i think if you've ever thought about doing it and you have the opportunity to do so why not yeah you're a crazy tourist yeah why not that's what people say just call you a crazy tourist but if to make to go from there to ibiza and then party all night you know what i mean like you're just partying all night with people you know from the run like you know, like after the run, like you're partying in the streets, you know, drinking beers, like hanging out and everybody, you know, everybody's like cheers at each other. And, you know, everybody's like, hey, come on, we're celebrating. And you're like, what are we celebrating? Everybody's like, we didn't die. <laughs> and you're like, oh, hell yeah. You yeah. know, people are streaking. Like, it's just like, I don't know. It's like, what if, what if you could cheat death for a day? Like, how would you, um, how would you celebrate? And that's what that looks like. You just watch everybody individually like celebrate in the way that they would some people go lay out in the sun they want to just like hang out like you know grab some beers people just want to listen to music some people want to get absolutely annihilated that's me you know yeah it's just i don't know it's a cool energy um uh yeah definitely worth it um for sure and you know something to look back on you know brandon Thank you so much for Dude. coming on the podcast thank guys, you man. this is a terrific episode if you guys ever want to go on a euro trip Hit this guy up on yeah. Instagram. What's yeah. your Instagram? We're popping it up right here, Brandon. Uh, at Brandon O. Barrera. So. And anything else exciting coming up? Or did we freaking talk about Dude, it? Dude, we talked about everything, man. I, you know. 
Holidays are coming up. Just can't Holidays wait to are coming those. up. Yeah. Absolutely. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Guys, so. thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you Thursday. Peace. See ya.